what I tell my students and yeah, pretty much like my friends, being adult, being old, and we always think about job comes first, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know. While I was young, when I was young and especially working in the States, I was like, oh, this is what I could what this is what I could do. This is the reason I'm here for, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like all in. And those are great experiences when I was young. But mm-hmm. you cannot walk that way when you become 30, 40s, or even like 20s. You shouldn't be yes. you shouldn't be walking that way. <laughs> and yes. the life changes uh, if you have a partner or kids or if you know, it's going to be a totally different. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a negative way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a positive way, of course, mm-hmm. but it's going to be not the same way. Mm-hmm. And even though you don't have a partner or kids, you still have your friends, family, and mm-hmm. your parents, whatnot. And it's going to change. Life stages changes. So that I always tell my people that uh, job or work is just a part of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the life. Yes. You know, so that's something you have to remember all the time. Sometimes it's hard. It just strips away. But yeah, it's like your life is most important thing and job you can choose. Mm-hmm. And what kind of life you want to achieve, what you want, you want to have. That's the that mindset you have to set very strong way. And that kind of takes you to wherever you want to. Mm-hmm. And you can choose the route, whatever you want to. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. I hope everyone is enjoying their week so far. If you haven't had a chance to check out all of the other episodes, go to your podcasting platform. Please listen to the other episodes and also rate and leave a helpful review for others to find this podcast. I would love to hear all of the interesting stories, anything that you found specifically that has helped you along your fitness journey or what you would like to share with others. So it would mean a lot to me to rate and review the podcast. This week, I have a very exciting guest. This guest is a fellow athletic trainer, and he was a former assistant athletic trainer at the University of Hawaii when I was as a student and also when I was just getting into the master's program at the University of Hawaii. His name is Takashi Maribe, and he's a certified athletic trainer, and he's also certified in roping, which we are going to talk about and share a little bit more about in the episode. But he was extremely helpful in the early stages of my career when I was a student, still trying to find my way and even getting accepted into a master's program. And we've shared many many valuable conversations that I I remember still to this day. But we share a lot of interesting stories. I learned a lot about him too, his background that we haven't talked about before. So you get to hear that insight 
his journey from how he found athletic training, coming to the U.S. to get certified in athletic training and go through his curriculum and schooling, and also coming full circle, not only stopping back in Hawaii to work as an assistant athletic trainer at the University of Hawaii, but also how he's taken all of his experiences and knowledge back with him to Japan, where he resides now in Tokyo, Japan. It was a pleasure for me to share this conversation and catch up with Takashi. And without saying any more, let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the HL Movement Podcast. We have one of what I would consider a great mentor to me when he was in Hawaii. And I would like to introduce a fellow athletic trainer, Takashi Moribe. Thank you so much for joining me, Takashi. Well, thank you for having me, Andrew. Yeah, so you are in Japan and you've been in Japan for maybe almost... Eight, nine, eight years now. Eight years now. Yes. Yeah. And before that, we'll go into your whole history. But before that, you were one of the assistant athletic trainers at the University of Hawaii. And just to give a little backstory, because I don't think you even realize this, but during that time, that's when I was still volunteering, trying to get into the athletic training master's program. And you probably vague, vaguely remember, but there was one year that due to budget cuts, there was no new students being accepted into the program. So that whole year, I was just waiting around, still volunteering. I appreciated everyone's help, you know, guiding me along the way. But there were a lot of times that I talked to you and, of course, other athletic trainers at UH. And the conversation was pretty much, I don't know if I want to wait around and stick this out. But I'm so glad that all of you encouraged me to keep going because the rest is history, I would say. And I'm so happy that I did become an athletic trainer and work with wonderful people like you. I'm not sure oh, if you remember too much of those conversations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember like you being around and, you know, trying to do everything what you can do and which no. Not everybody can do that, you know. Everybody knows that you were supposed to, like, give everything, you mm -hmm. know. But most people just give up. But you didn't. So, <laughs> you know, I was having a great time with you talking to whatever stuff we talked about. Maybe yes. we can talk about it here or maybe not. But, yes. yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was it a was great a experience. Time. And I, I learned a ton from you, too. So let's go into your background briefly. Um, some of this I actually just learned today, um, your path to becoming an athletic trainer. But why don't you start with, you know, growing up in Japan and then making that transition to coming to the U.S. to get your degree and becoming a certified athletic trainer. What was that like for you? Well, I mean, it's kind of long story, but uh I was born and raised in Japan. Then I was yeah, playing sports while I was growing up. And I got tons of injuries as well. And I played lacrosse in college. Then again, I got tons of injuries. Then I was like, at that, mo at that time, since I'm kind of old, you know, older than you are. So <laughs> at that time in Japan, we didn't have athletic trainers. And we, we had trainers, but they were more like acupuncturists and the massage therapists so that they don't have the, what you want to call it, like prevention kind of medical background so that they are really good at, uh, good at uh, caring, coming back from the injuries, but not the preventions, right? Mm -hmm. So that I was like, there, there has to be a better way, you know, because yeah. once we get injured, all we had to do is either quit or having a surgery and sitting out, <laughs> yeah. you know, for a year or so. So I was like, there got to be a better way, but I couldn't find the way at that moment. 
then I was lucky enough to meet the guy, uh, Mr. Kazu Tomooka, who used to be the head strength coach at the Major League Baseball team. And he was like, hey, maybe you should go to the States and there is an athletic trainer job and strength conditioning coach and maybe you are interested in. That was like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> because at that moment I wasn't able to speak English much. But lucky enough, I had a chance to go to University of Hawaii as an exchange student while I was in college in Japan. Then I met Eric Okasaki, former UH, yes. <laughs> our boss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Then I stayed there for a year. Then I was talking to him and coming from Japan and playing sports. And this is something I'm interested in. He was like, I still remember that old training room and a big <laughs> green heavy door i was like banging the door yes at that time it was a lunch break then he was like so pissed because <laughs> like, i didn't have making an appointment i just like knocking banging on the door he was yes. like what and i just told him everything and he was like 5 a.m tomorrow at the football field i was like what <laughs> <laughs> you know? yes. but that's how i got started but yeah then you know i had a great experience like you did for a year, but I had to go back to Japan, finish my college. Then I was going to go back to the States again, but uh, at the moment, NATA changed the certification program and whatnot so that uh, we didn't have the internship route and UH didn't got approved for the uh, accredited program mm-hmm. so that I, I had to find another way. In the meantime, I had some family issues. My mom got sick and stuff, so that I decided to stay for a few years. Then I was working at the junior high and high school as an English teacher for mm-hmm. a couple of years, I think. Then those two years, I was just like so busy. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of coaching basketball team at the school and seeing so many girls are like, getting injured, injuries. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, what am I doing? You know, I spent a year and kind of seeing athletic training, but I know what to do, I think, but I really do not know, you yes. know, like, yes. you know, then I was like so frustrated, but uh, at the time the job, wa- the teaching job was so busy and I was like, I don't know what to do. Then I got an email from Jason Gu who is mm-hmm. the former UH athletic trainer as well. Mm-hmm. Then he was like, what are you doing? You know, you're not coming back. And <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah, I'm coming back. <laughs> you know? And then like a few, few months later, I quit the school. Then, But UH was not approved yet. So that I applied for the University of Arkansas and then got mm-hmm. uh, entry-level pro- master's program, then got accepted. That's how it kind of started. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's I interesting see. to hear everyone's story because, you know, it's usually this windy path of mm-hmm. how we all end up to get certified eventually. But so when you met, was it Kazuo, the strength coach? Yeah, Kazu. Yeah. Oh, Kazu. For yeah. The strength coach. Was he a strength coach in the U.S. at the time or in Japan? I think he was. Uh, he's also an, an ATC as well, mm-hmm. but uh, he was at the Florida Marines at that time, which is Got not... It there anymore but i think he was doing internship over there and then after that he got jobs some other major league baseball team i think yeah got it because a lot of people that transition i think as you know the university of hawaii we have a lot of exchange students a lot of uh, students coming from japan to get certified in athletic training or some other profession 
a lot of times the exposure is different in the US, I think. So with strength coaches, with athletic trainers, you guys do have the Japanese Athletic Training Association, but it's still developing, not quite as strong as NATA in, in the US. So it's good that you got that exposure, that experience and everything. And the other thing that I was going to say, which is the thing I learned just a little while ago, was that I didn't realize that you taught English for a couple of years. Yeah, Because that is the one thing coming from Japan and English being your second language, you would not be able to tell. You communicate so perfectly with all of us. And that is one thing that always impresses me how, how well you can speak English. So after that, you went to University of Arkansas, right? Because you wanted、right. to go through the master's program, become a certified athletic trainer. Now, how was that experience for you being? You know, in a place that's so different from Japan. Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. Because at that time, I don't think right now,、uh, the Arkansas Fayetteville, where the university is,、uh, having lots of、uh, foreign students, especially like including Asians. But at that time, I don't think there was much, so much、um, Japanese or Asian students.、Yeah. Then everybody was like, Asking me a question, where are you from? I'm from Tokyo, Japan. I was, then they were like, Why? Why are you coming from Tokyo to Arkansas? I was like, They have a good, great program. They were like, Yeah, but you know, <laughs> it、yeah. was so funny. And I mean, it was so, so funny. Like little, sometimes little kids being、uh, what you want to call pure evil so、uh-huh. that. When I was walking down the street, that three or four years old, so cute. She was like talking to her mom and she was like, Hey, that guy looks different. <laughs> you know, I was kind of <laughs> laughing, and, and the mom was like, I'm so sorry. And she shouldn't say that. I was like, That's fine. I kind of got used to it. <laughs> you know?、yes. But yeah, the, in,、uh, it was like so much of difference in, in terms、mm-hmm. of the culture and, of course, the language, you know, everything.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, still, I mean, I was there with a purpose to be an athletic trainer. Then, in terms of, you know, because of that, I, I was having a hard time too, but I was able to go through and having great friends who's, you know, from different countries. You know,、yeah. it was overall, still, I'm still hanging on those. Uh, University of Arkansas stuff. As yes,、well. you, gotta, you gotta be a proud alumni. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,、yes. yeah. So that's where I started too. So, you know.、Mm-hmm. So at the University of Arkansas, you know, I, I remember, of course, we're both、uh, getting older. You're not that old yet, though, but sometimes I forget how long ago it was when I went through the grad program. And, you know, it's like a blink of an eye and it's like so many years later. But when you look back at it, was there. Something that you wanted to, like a certain sport setting or work environment that you wanted to work、uh, after you graduated as a student? Was there anything that you looked forward to? While I was looking back, I mean, I did pretty much everything I, what、mm-hmm. I wanted to because, you know, I think I was, you could say I was eager to learn or I was so selfish either way. <laughs> so, because, you know, I was taking advantage of sometimes being、uh, foreigners or being Asian, sometimes it's kind of it doesn't work for you.、Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can take advantage of it.、Mm-hmm. And I took advantage of it because, <laughs> you、yeah. <laughs> know, because、um, still, even though I was able to communicate in English, still it, it is my second language. And sometimes I 
having a hard time because in the South, they have different accent yes. and different way of expressions and stuff. So that was like, hey, I'm from Japan. I don't speak English. And so, but I paid tons of money to be here、yes. because I have to pay double, right? Yes. Because I don't get the in state tuition. So that was like, This is what I want. I want to, I want to work for football, you know, sometimes,、uh-huh. you know,、yeah. for instance. So I was like, so every single time I was telling my professors, and this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. This is what I want. You、yes. know? I was、yeah. kind of pushing through it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's good. And I, I know that you had great experiences because you even had the training camp. Uh, see, training camp intern in the NFL, right? You also, for the Rockies as well, right? You had a little right, internship, yeah, yeah, yeah. right?、Mm-hmm. So, were any of those like, did that make you want to work in a certain setting after experiencing some of those things or even your rotations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually,、uh, I think、uh, I did the Rockies, the baseball、mm-hmm. first in the internship. And because I became.、Uh, The reason I went to the States, I want to be an athletic trainer in a professional setting. So that, that was kind of my dream setting, right? That I was able to have an opportunity to work with them. Then, I mean, the Colorado Rockies, it was a great organization and everybody was cool and I was enjoying it. And I was like, yeah, maybe this is something I want to do. Then、uh, it was, I think the spring camp was. Two, three weeks, something like that. Then went back to school, working for football. Coming back to football, I was like, ah,、oh, this is different culture, right?、Yeah. And I was like, my heart going toward more baseball. Then I graduated the college, the University of Arkansas. Then right after that, I was working for the Houston Texans as an internship.、Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, you know, it was fun. Great experience,、uh-huh. and great to see those great athletes and stuff. But I was thinking they were professionals so that they know what to do,、uh-huh. you know. And it was fun, but to me, it wasn't that much of fun because、mm-hmm. I like to work with, I, I, I like to see the people kind of growing、mm-hmm. so that. To me, it's more like working for high school or college is a better place for me because the professional field, it's great experience and so much fun. But I mean, they are like package deal already. Yes. You know, that is you know, true. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I like the education part as well. So that I was like, maybe professional is a great place to work with. But to me, the college university setting is. Better for me because there are tons of stuff I can do and I can show them, you know, I can educate them as well. So that that kind of yeah, changed my mind too. Yes. And it's it's interesting because some people, you know, and everyone has a better fit at a certain level. And I'm completely with you on that.、Uh, fortunately, having been at the NFL level too, I, I do agree. It's like, They all know or have their team that they're going to always rely on, right? Of course, the staff on site is there for them, but like you said, it's not as rewarding or it's not, you're not going to make as big of an impact on one of the superstars because they 
already have all of the resources. But in the college setting, I completely agree. That's where you really can educate these students, student athletes. You can really help them along their career, help them to not only excel in college, but if they go on to play professionally, they really have gained some tools that have shaped them through their college career. So that is that is really awesome to hear. So after that, after all of these experiences, you did work in the collegiate setting as you wished for a good amount of time. So why don't you explain a little bit about that? What was it like finally working as an athletic trainer in the college settings? And then what made you come back to the University of Hawaii? I mean, it was working in the college setting. It was very great time. I always having great time. Sometimes it was hard because you know, being a student is easier, easy mode because whatever you do, all the full-time stuff is covering your mess. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. once you become a full-time staff, you are on your own. So mm. that there was a little bit of pressure. And the first job I got was University of Pacific in Stockton, California. And still like a year internship, but uh, I was working for women's basketball. And I still remember that moment. Uh, the head coach was great lady, but sometimes very strict. And they, she has a mission to, you know, complete. Then, like a few weeks before the season coming in, the main player that she has to be on the court all the time got mm-hmm. injured, mm-hmm. and we were like, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know. And she was like, okay, you have two weeks, what you can do, you know, show me what you got. And I was like panicking, right? Because <laughs> my first job and pretty much first day, she got injured and yes. she was like, golly, then I was trying to do, uh, trying to explain everything. And she was like, I mean, that was, she was great. And I was very fortunate. I was able to work with her, but she didn't say anything. She was like kind of nodding and she was listening. Okay, so that's something you're going to do. And that's something you can, you think it's going to work. I was like, yeah, okay. And she just walks away. And she just like, let me do whatever I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Then the athlete was, she knows that she needs to go back. And she did everything what I tell her to do. And yeah, and she was able to go back to the game on the first game. Mm -hmm. Not only that, she was able to finish the season without mm-hmm. any injuries mm-hmm. so that kind of changed my you know all the mentality and everything i was like oh yeah i was able to do that you know mm-hmm. and i can do that i can do this and that that was a great first year experience i was like so nervous but <laughs> yeah then I, I was having great relationship with coaches and they told they taught me that number one job being athletic trainer is not taping, not taping or not stretching, but communicating with mm-hmm. athletes and the coaches mm-hmm. so that I was going to their office first thing in the morning and the last thing in the day and sometimes lunch break, everything. I was kind of talking, 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 you know, so that then they taught me like how to establish the good relationship with the team. And I, you know, even though I was working like on my own pretty much, but still I was part of the team. That's kind of taught, they taught, taught me. I like what you said there because in the athletic training profession, I think that's where a lot of miscommunication happens when the communication is just not clear. 
You know, as athletic trainers, we, I don't know any athletic trainer that just wants to hold people out. Like that's not what we want to do, but it's making sure that you can perform and do it safely. Right. And I think communicating that to an athlete, especially if they haven't been through injuries, that's super important, but also communicating to the coach, because if the coach and the athletic trainer coach and strength coach, athletic trainer, and everybody on the team can work together, the mm-hmm. athlete's going to benefit from that. And I think that goes again to all of your experiences leading up to that because your English, you have strengthened your English, right? Being able to communicate not only verbally, but also building those relationships. That was probably huge. And obviously it has brought you a lot of success too. Yeah. Then, you know, being uh, being non-American, and non-American citizens, I have to get the walking visa, right? And that was the hardest part being a foreigner to walk in the States. Then I was, you know, after the internship, I was looking for the full-time job uh, where they can give me the walking visa mm-hmm. and sponsorship. And that was tough. But still, again, uh, because of those little community, Japanese com- has, trainers communities and they kind of taught me like oh, apply this apply this college apply this college they are going to support you blah 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 then then lucky enough i was able to get the job at the university of Plattsburgh, and uh, where the upstate new york where it's freezing all the time but yeah they it was division three school i was having great time there great stuff great you know Everybody was great, and I was having great time. But then one day, I was kind of looking through NATA website just mm-hmm. just for fun, you know. Then <laughs> found the University of Hawaii is a, a there is an opening position. I was like, that's kind of weird because UH doesn't have an opening position for a long time, right? Yes. And whatever yes. they have, I mean, it kind of goes like like that. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that for the first time, I just got the job at the Prosperg. So I was like, I'm not going to apply for that, right? Then a few months later, maybe three months or four months later, and there is still, there is an opening. So I was like, that's kind of weird. So I sent an email to Eric. Hey, so what's going on? He was like, why are you not applying for it? So I was like, I just got the job over here, right? <laughs> yeah, we're both <laughs> laughing just to fill in some of the gaps because if anyone knows Eric, that is like the classic line, like, why didn't you apply for this? There's no like, oh, what happened? Or did you see it or anything? Which is which is good. Like, that's what we need from Eric. Yes. Yeah, I know, right? Or I, lo- I love that guy. And you, anyway, so that was a kind of... Yeah, I my heart always belongs to Hawaii and mm-hmm. to Eric because he kind of let me start my athletic training field. You know, he gave me the opportunity so that I always feeling like owe him so much and I always want him to give him back, you know, whatever I can. Then I was thinking, thinking, thinking. Then the boss at the Plattsburgh was like, what are you thinking? I was like, yeah, this is what happened. He was like, Okay, Takashi, listen, apply for that job. I was like, really? I just got here and you don't need me? He was like, hey, why do you think you already got the job over there? You're not even applying for it. You never know the result. (laughs) I hate to see you go, but if you're not applying for this, you just kind of drag all the way, you know, for next few years. So -hmm. just do it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Then I think about it. (laughs) I was like, 
okay, if you say so, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, I wasn't, I was too young at the moment and uh, I wasn't really um, able to feel what my former boss was saying, but yeah, I was very grateful that he kind of showed me, you know, the, his kindness and gratitude and everything mm -hmm. and kind of the way to treat me with respect then mm -hmm. yeah that's how i then i was i, I applied for the job then after a few interviews yeah i was able to go back to hawaii yes so at this was plattsburgh state right university yeah. at there did you stay one school year i think there? yeah one school year one school year right did yeah. you also work basketball when you're in new york as well yeah yeah you did so mm -hmm. was basketball kind of always your Preference. yeah true i didn't even realize but yeah it was <laughs> yeah and i mean you even coach basketball too so that that helps to give you the background and just understanding of the sport too to better care for the athletes now when you came back to hawaii right what was that like for you i mean coming back kind of full circle and working with <laughs> the University of Hawaii staff and you can share anything that you want to share about that experience. Yes. How was it? I mean, to me, it was like coming back my own home pretty much. Mm -hmm. And luckily the, at the time, the full-time staff were, I already knew the full-time staff, you know, everybody <laughs> then because those full-time staffs were graduate assistant when I was there as an exchange student. Everybody was. Yes, that was kind of easy to kind of you know go into. Mm -hmm. So then living in Hawaii, being in Hawaii, to me being Japanese, it's a lot easier compared to other states mm -hmm. I was working for. You know, mm -hmm. those schools and states are great too. But the Hawaii is really close to Japan mm -hmm. as well, so that. Not only working setting, but the living environment that was easier for me to get adjusted. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a um, problem at all. And I really enjoyed it working at UH yes. because people were just so nice. Yes, it is definitely a great place. And I think we all attest to that, especially all of us that have gone through the program and you worked with all of those mentors and certified athletic trainers. Now, when you were at Hawaii, you also worked women's basketball, right? It just so right. happened that it worked out, I guess. <laughs> and were there anything, I guess what I want to get into too, is that while you were at UH, that's when you became a certified rofer, right? Mm -hmm. I remember the first time that you told me that you were going for these seminars. Of course, you know, being a student, you're not exposed to these kind of things. So I didn't even know what rofing was, you know, <laughs> but hearing about it and learning some of the concepts from you, it is still stuff that I, that influences me today, you know, especially when we talk about anatomy trains and fascia and things like that. But were you always, what was your end goal? Was it always to look into rofing? How did you get introduced to that? Was it to treat some of the athletes or was it more your personal interest when it comes to roofing? Uh, when it comes to roofing, I noticed, uh, when I noticed what the roofing was when I was at the University of Plattsburgh, because, you know, I was working to the athletes and we did everything what we could do. But once they sprained the ankle, they it's going to 
go to the knees and back yes. and shoulders and neck and everything, right? Yes. And I was like, there got to be a better way, you know, <laughs> but we didn't have a time to work on those entire body, you know, right? Because we only have like a few minutes of mm-hmm. athletes every day. Then I was like, there got to be a better way. I was looking into, you know, doing research and stuff. Then I found the word fascia and I was like, what? And now fascia is kind of big words, but the 10 years ago or 15 years ago, it yeah. wasn't, you know, that much of uh, big words at the moment. I was like, what is this? Then I was looking into it and there was an article about the rolfing. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, and not funny, but interesting. Yeah. Then I was reading through the materials and I was like, I kind of getting the idea of it, but I wasn't too sure what it was. Uh-huh. So I was like, and, they, and then Rolfing is consists of 10 series, 10 series of sessions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I should get those Rolfing sessions. Then maybe I get some ideas, right? Uh-huh. Then, but the University of Pratsburg, it wasn't like Honolulu, so that there was there were not so many Rolfers over there. <laughs> yeah. So I drove like an hour and got on the ferries and go to Vermont to okay. <laughs> get the Rolfing session. <laughs> got it. Yeah, then and re- receiving the sessions, I was like, I wasn't too sure at the moment what she was working on me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the session one, we work on the, the breathing okay. so that, that she was working on the, my chest, everything. But she was not pressing too hard. She was not like very soft touch and just, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Kind of stuff. <laughs> And yes. then she was like, okay, take a deep breath. Then my just lungs getting three times bigger. So I was like, what did yes. you do to me? What, what just happened? Yes. Yeah, I know. Then, yeah, she wasn't like moving me around or anything like that. And she was like, oh, good. You Now you're breathing. I was like, I wasn't breathing. <laughs> <laughs> then, then that, ex- that kind of explain, uh, that kind of draw my tension again intention to learn more about the raw thing and mm-hmm. got more interested so i was like maybe i should go to learn those stuff and then see what's gonna happen so i wasn't like definite i, I want to be a raw fan. Ugh, that kind of not that much okay. i was like yeah just go through those programs and see where it kind of leads me to got yeah, it how, how much yeah. did you spend on those roofing sessions <laughs> I went, I think it was like 120 bucks per session. Yes. That, so that wasn't to too be... too cheap, too expensive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's worth it. So Yes. Yeah. And you can probably explain this a little better than I can, but for the, for the listeners out there. So roofing is all fascial body work. And basically it's kind of that concept that your fascia encapsulates everything. So not only your muscles, organs, bones, everything is encapsulated with this continuous piece of fascia, which is connective tissue, right? So when they do their work, and I I have never had roofing done on myself, but when they do work, you know, it's making that change in the fascia that really integrates into your whole web of your body, right? And is that kind of how you would explain it to, I guess, one of your clients? I used to, but not anymore because they they don't care about fascia <laughs> and true. everything and connective tissue and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. fascia is great materials to research and, you know, everything is not revealed, right? So that we don't know everything. 
we know just a little bit of it, but、uh, the client doesn't need to know what we are working on. What it is. Yeah, what it is. All they need is result. You know,、yes. if they are having a pain, you know, the pain is gone or the movement is better, that kind of stuff. Or in a bigger term, maybe are they living their life, you know, as the way they want to? Yes. I mean, that's kind of the big picture we are kind of framing. It's not just about the shoulder pain or back pain, you know.、Yes. What we care about is what is, what is preventing that.、Um, They are not able to have their own life, you know.、Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, connect the fascia is connective tissue, but the, not only the connective tissue, it's more like a entire web to send the older nervous the signals to the nervous systems as well,、mm-hmm. right? So that we work on soft tissues a lot, but in the meantime, we, we are working on their awareness. So that they know where their body is and how they are using the bodies. And that's more important part to me. Yes.、So、that, yeah, combination of the soft tissue work and those awareness kind of training s e s s i o n I guess. Yes. No, that's excellent to hear from you. And I, I mean, I learned a lot too. And that kind of, if you think about it, your first roping session, that's exactly what it was like for you. Like there was really no. Explanation really of what was actually being done. But then, as soon as you could expand your lungs and breathe better, that was kind of the result that really made you buy into, hey, what is this? And kind of sparked、mm-hmm. your interest. So, going back, we'll get into the roping a little bit more. But you were doing this when you were at the University of Hawaii, right?、Mm-hmm. So, as you started doing this and trying it more, what was your, at the time, what were you kind of thinking of? Doing like you wanted to become certified in roping, and then you wanted to. Did you always know that you wanted to go back to Japan and take it back there? I mean, I always have that in my mind because my family, entire family is in Japan. And again, working visa issue always, you know, kind of big worries. And at the moment, I knew that UH is not supporting me for a green card,、mm-hmm. so that I was like,、uh, maybe I have to look for the job, whatnot. But I didn't want to because UH is where I started, so that that where it should end my career at athletic、mm-hmm. training. And I just don't want to put Eric go through everything again, you know? So that I was like, yeah, this is where I start, you know, being athletic trainer. But before that,、uh, while I was learning roping, I wasn't too sure. I was kind of maybe preparing. And actually, this is what Eric told me when I. Told him to resign. He was like, you know, we couldn't support your green card. So that uh, the, the reason I let you do the role thing was so that you are going to be prepared when you're going back. You have all in your business. I was like, is that really what you were thinking? <laughs> But I was like, passing into my tears. So that,、uh, yeah. I mean, while I was learning, I wasn't too sure. Maybe I was preparing for it. But I was. More like using those techniques and philosophy to the athletes because I mean, their body is beaten up, and especially I went what I was thinking was after, right after the surgery, if they are going for long term rehab, roughing is great because it doesn't cost,、uh, it doesn't put too much stress on their body, and it's gonna realign your body so that the movement is gonna get a lot smoother. And actually, I was working for a few athletes right after ACL surgeries and stuff. 
where while I was at UH, and the the result was terrific. In mm-hmm. it was like the body alignment is so much different, so that they were able to rehab correctly, mm-hmm. and it kind of speeds up all the processes and stuff. So that yeah. So how how long was the curriculum? I believe that roofing might have different like courses or however they break it up. But how long was the curriculum to go through all of the the practice and the certifications during UH? Uh, I think it's kind of been changing at the Rolf Institute. I think mm-hmm. they, they changed the name as well. But the, uh, at that time, I think it was like three modules. Then okay. each module is like four to six weeks or something like that. Got it. And four to six each, weeks of you being immersed into it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Class. yeah. Mm. Right. Then each modules you have to spread like at least three months. Oh, sorry, at least three months apart so that you can practice, you know, in between. Got it. So, so that, that actually worked out year. because you could bring it back, like you said, on the athletes, your basketball right. girls, and you could you could practice all of the techniques that you just learned, and then really get better and uh, make sure that you integrate it into what you're doing with athletic training too. Yes. Right. Right. And some, some stuff works for the uh, athletic environment. Some stuff is not really working for the athletic environment as well. So that, you know, I think roughing is great, but it's not for the old situations in the environment. You have kind of have to decide or choose or mm-hmm. kind of having a uh, right environment to get the most out of it got it yeah on that note that was another question that i wanted to ask was how many athletic trainers do you know that are rofers or went through some of the certification process having roughing certificate with atc yes as far as i know four of them and all of them are japanese <laughs> got it that's what i was gonna say was that you're the only one that i know that has gone to the roping curriculum and i can see what a big difference it makes when you do talk about concepts or what you integrate into your practices and on that note too it was really good to just be exposed to some of it i know i know we haven't had a lot of conversations but i would see certain things that you were doing um, to practice and of course, like what you said, like what Eric told you when you went back to Japan, like he wanted you to go through this so that you had a tool in your tool belt to take back to Japan, right? Before we go back to you moving to Japan, since you were at UH for three, four years, I didn't even realize it kind of flew by. Um, yeah. What was some of the most memorable times at UH or in Hawaii for you? God, that's so many <laughs> I, it's hard to pick one, but God, yes. so, so many of memories over there and I might start crying. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, to that's fine. That's so fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, everything was, you know, everything was precious. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was hard, you know, there is a good memories and bad memories, of mm-hmm. course. And even like, seven eight years now even those bad memories mm-hmm. you know some athletes are giving me a hard time <laughs> yes. you know the coaches and stuff but now i mean that's something i cannot never experience anymore so mm-hmm. that those kind of give me um 
you know, uh, great experience, that mm-hmm. great memories as well. But uh, still, if I have to pick one, uh, uh, it's going to be, um, I was able to work with Eric Okasaki. That's the mm-hmm. biggest thing for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, he changed my life and mm-hmm. I still thankful that, you know, he was my boss. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you know Eric Okasaki, mm-hmm. He pretty much knows everything, you know. <laughs> yes, and yes. he's he's watching you in mm-hmm. a good way, so mm-hmm. that he's always trying to support you, you know, trying to do whatever you need help. Mm-hmm. If you need help, and if you call him, he's gonna help. He's gonna he's be there. Uh, he will be there for you. Mm-hmm. And those everything what he did was kind of taught me everything. He was my mentor, mm-hmm. and I don't call people mentor much. But mm-hmm. he is definitely one one of, um, yes. maybe he's the only mentor that I have, mm-hmm. and yeah. So everything with involving with him was the best memories working yes. at UH, I think. And yeah, I, it's so glad to hear that. And I think many of us feel the same way about Eric. Is that for me? I owe my entire career to him too. You know, <laughs> he he's not gonna he's gonna say no, no, and just you know brush it off. But I mean, that's the truth. It's like there's so many things like you said. He's always been there to help you, to guide you, to kind of even to the extent he's done the same for me many times, where he kind of can see. Your potential when you can't see it, or he can kind of see where you're headed to in the future, and you know, encouraging you to complete the roofing certification mm-hmm. when you're still at UH, so that he foresees like, okay, you're gonna go back to Japan, you're gonna take this back to Japan. You know, it's things that you can't really see in the moment, but those right. are the little things that make a big difference in all of our careers. Yeah. Now, after that, so after your time there, I mean, you did a, it was really fun to have you on staff i remember there was a lot of conversations always had your door open so we could always talk about whatever when you know there was some free time and the very little that there was but after that i mean for me i got into the athletic training master's program in 2011 so i had a full year in the program when you were still there and in 2012 i believe you resigned and you went back to japan so talk us through that experience a little bit what were some of the big big factors that kind of let you know, okay, now's the time to go back to Japan and start the next chapter of your life. Right. And as I said, the walking in the States, I have to have walking visa. And I think I have one more year. Then I was uh, uh, thinking if I renew the visa or, you know, start looking for other job where I support me a green card. But as I said, you know, this is where I stop. You know, I don't need to look for another job and, it's going to be renew one more year or not, right? Mm-hmm. Then I was thinking all oh, entire season. Then that's my last game with the bas- uh, women's basketball team was uh, at the Las Vegas. And when we were flying back to Honolulu, there was a big sighting going on. That was where tsunami hit in Japan, mm-hmm. 3-11. Then we were panicking, you know, what's going to happen, what's happening, what's happening, right? Then at that time, my mom back home wasn't really feeling well as well. She was sick. So that I was like, maybe I should go back. Then those tsunami warning, you know, Mm kind of hit me so hard. I was Mm -hmm. like, what am I doing? I've been in the States for, I don't know, so many years. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been able to see my families and they need my support, yada, 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 and visa. I was like, I'm going home, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my, 
And, you know, family always comes first. That's something I learned from, you know, the life in the States as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes job, working, you know, kind of got you to stay there all the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. being an athletic trainer, of course, but, the, yes. <laughs> but family comes first. That's, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was taught, everybody taught me in the States and especially Hawaii, Ohana is mm-hmm. the big part, right? So I was like, yeah, I, sh- I need to go back now. I mm-hmm. had a great time in the States and now I have to go back and to support my family. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when I decided to go back. Yes. Now, when you went back, so you kind of, said a few times that okay athletic training was you know you wanted to close that chapter and you did start a successful i want to say clinic but you can correct me if i'm wrong but you started a company right kukuna body and if you can briefly explain that transition what you built your company on you know some of the philosophies experiences throughout the year and how was that like transitioning into this new life back in japan now it was Fun ride, I would say, but uh, I didn't have any intention to go back to be an athletic trainer in Japan because, as you said, the sports is not a big business in Japan, so that the environment is different. I had a chance to work with the uh, professional baseball teams, whatnot. They were like, hey, they are, have opening positions, and why don't you apply it? I was like, how much do they pay? Okay, I, no, no thanks, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I decided to open my own, what you gonna call, clinic, not, well, I don't know what you're gonna call, but the private salon, gym, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway. So I decided to start my own and I was like, maybe I had, I had enough experience in athletic training and I had the certification of roughing so that I was able to do those kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I wasn't ready for it, you know. (laughs) I opened up, opened up my own place, but the, for the next two, three months, I got nothing. Mm. No appointment whatsoever, right? And my bank account just going, you know, like zero. But I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I was like hitting the wall and the midlife crisis, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, I got to be, I got to do something, right? So I, maybe I had a tip on my shoulder at the time. You know, I was able to do it because I had great experience in the States. But nobody cares, you know. So I didn't know how to build my own business at that moment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it was great being back to where you were born and having time with your family and be able to support them. But in terms of business, it was miserable <laughs> when I came back. <laughs> I can, I can imagine. And that's all the struggles of becoming a business owner and everything. Yeah. So after that, yes, because, you know, you had all of these experiences and everything. How did you actually get the ball rolling and start to generate yeah. some clients? And also on that note, what is your typical clientele like? Um, you know, this is eight years later almost, right? Yeah. Well, so the what I started to do was okay, nobody knows me, right? So that what I have to do is get everybody knows me, (laughs) right? So that I started seeing people, you know, every single day from lunchtime and the dinner time, you know, one appointment each, then just talking through what I'm 
been doing and you know what I'm gonna do and where my office is, what I can do for them. Then in the meantime, I was working on my website as well. At that moment, blog was kind of starting mm-hmm. getting bigger, so that I was uh, writing a blog every single day. And then kind of get the ball start ball start mm-hmm. gets rolling. Then I got one client in a day, two in a day, three in a day, that kind of stuff. And the good thing about being uh, doing raw thing is that the session price wasn't that cheap. Mm-hmm. You could say expensive because I was charging for like 130, 150 bucks per session. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, at the beginning, if you are having two clients a day, five days a week, that should be more than enough, mm-hmm. you know, to make a living. Uh-huh. So that wasn't too hard to hit that goal. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I started, I had tons of time because I got no appointment at the moment. So that I made the appointment to see, not uh, people coming to see me, but me uh, going to see people, mm. you know, so yes. that kind of talking through what my job is and my passion is that kind of stuff then they were like oh, yeah that kind of interesting then they made an appointment at the you know right there then i give them a kind of sometimes free sessions sometimes mm-hmm. you know cheaper sessions so that mm-hmm. trial sessions then they were like yeah i want they were like yeah i want to do this and then i noticed that once they knew i was able to do it mm-hmm. you know once they knew what it was and how impact i can give them and what's the benefit for them, I was able to, you know, walk it on so that I was like, okay, so I need to focus. Uh, my focus needs to see people grabbing attentions mm-hmm. and having them coming to my office just for even like once. Yes. And then, yeah. And then you could show them the results like you mentioned right. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what is your typical clientele like? Are they more your active athletic population because of your background? Uh, very beginning it was uh, high level athletes like even professionals mm-hmm. and then the coaches the, like strength coaches and yoga teachers pilates instructors and those kind of uh, high level people mm-hmm. then kind of sh- shifting they try they starting to introduce their parents or mm-hmm. their friends kind of being apart from those athletic field yes and yeah and those people are like having their own business and business owners and mm-hmm. yeah kind of so pretty much like everybody all the kinds of people like everything some people, yes yeah some people in um, uh, like celebrities and stuff whatnot mm. but pretty much everybody yeah that's interesting and i'm sure once people saw the results and you know, worked with you. I think just your personality, how you communicate to them and take care of them. Word of mouth probably just drew business year after year. Do you have a lot of clients that are are seeing you for the long term? Like a lot of repeat clients? Yeah, yeah. Like some of the well, many of the clients I'm still seeing from the day one of my mm. business. So that yes. it's been like eight years relationships. Yes. So that that that's awesome. And it's yeah. just all the maintenance, right? To keep us yeah, all the maintenance, well, yeah. the awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. And then now we were just talking about this right before we pressed record. Yeah. But obviously with COVID for all athletic trainers, for everybody, where everyone has to make this huge shift and pivot. So you're 
you're already doing some of this and I am just starting to get into the field of online education, online courses. And that's what you have started to implement, right? In addition to your practice and you do have your website and everything. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and what made you create some of your online education courses? Yeah. So as we talked about, we, I started from, you know, offline business first, then I was doing the session then, but since my business is kind of getting in a good way, going in a better way, mm-hmm. uh, many people started asking me, so what, how do you like keep your business, you know, developing every day, every year? I was like, this is what I do. And this is what I did. And this is something I didn't. And this is what I ignore to do. <laughs> yes. right? And they were like, that's awesome. That's, that's something you should put everything into one seminar or stuff. I was like, no, this is something everybody is doing. And they were like, no, they are not. That's the reason why they are struggling with. Yeah. I was like, really? You know, <laughs> then I started to, um, I was teaching those uh, like anatomy, that kind of stuff as well. But in the meantime, they were more interested in how to carry their business, you know, making better, uh, bringing up, mm-hmm making the business better so i was like that's i studied those kind of seminar workshop stuff five years ago so then my students are making a big result like they want so at the time they were so having so much of trouble to make money but now they're making more than six digits doing offline business and so Mm -hmm. that's enough right then i was having a good success with me and those students but in the meantime, once the year goes by, the word spreads, then everybody's trying to get on those courses. But some people are just kind of, oh, so if I go to those courses, I can make six digits easy, right? I was like, no, you have to do it in your own work. But yes. they don't get it, right? Yes. I was like, then I started thinking, maybe I should put everything in online so that they can... Uh, rewatching so many times as much as they need to and I can put more information on it because offline workshop seminar those are great I love it but this is that's pretty much like you can only hear once mm-hmm. and they you think you know you got everything but you mm-hmm. pretty much don't yes <laughs> yes yeah but the online if you put it online they can watch it as many as they want and I can put more information more cheaply mm-hmm. and wherever I need, wherever I, I am or wherever they are and what time, time difference is not a big deal anymore. So that was like, maybe that's something I should do. And then that's what I started like about three years ago. And Got it. I just keep doing it. Got it. And you are, like you, you mentioned, you're creating more and more online content and courses. So primarily right now is your focus for to educate and teach uh, people with their own businesses? Mm -hmm. Is that majority of the online course content? In the future, are you going to create courses for your clients or anything like that? That's what my wife is working on right now because my wife is also ATC and she's teaching yoga. Got it. So she's going to do online courses for yoga and 
I'm like, got it. Oh, I did not even know that either. So you have the whole spectrum. And, you know, on that note, we have to touch on a little bit because both of us were certified athletic trainers, right? And I think the one thing about the profession is that because we collaborate or have to work cohesively, right, with all these other professionals, as you know, in the traditional athletic training session, I mean, if they got to go to the dentist, got to work with the dentist. If they got to go see an orthopedic surgeon, got to talk to the orthopedic surgeon. You got to talk to the parents, the coaches, you know, everyone's, we're kind of orchestrating the total healthcare of the athlete, right? So all of those experiences, I think that has helped you create online courses, work with patients. Um, also, you know, make these courses so that you can really get the message across as to how to kind of follow in your footsteps and create an online a successful online business, right? Is there anything else about athletic training, even though you're not really practicing in the traditional setting as an athletic trainer, is there anything else that has really helped you to get to your point today or something that you want to share about athletic trainers to the general public? Mm. Good thing about being an athletic trainer was like you mentioned that we need to know everything pretty much, but some stuff like widely, not the deeply, but the widely mm. we need to know because we need to talk to everybody pretty much. <laughs> yes. right? So that's kind of built me a good foundations of about the body and the relationships and, you know, everything pretty much mm. and the business as well. And so that like those experiences taught me that people are different, you know, mm. and people only need to hear uh, people only hear what they want to hear <laughs> that is very true <laughs> yes. yeah so those were the great lessons for me and because of the situation that we need to see all different kinds of people you know taught me a uh, different perspective of the people life everything so mm -hmm. th those were the great experience i think and that's kind of gave me the foundations. And for the general public, I think athletic trainers are um, very good people, very diligent, and they care about you. Mm -hmm. But uh, many people do not know how to reach them mm -hmm. so that they have their resources, but they don't know how to use the resources. So that if you knew anybody around you, you know, being athletic trainers, Make sure that like, you contact them and spread the word that, you know, those people can help you, you know, your kids, yourself, not even like a sports environment, you know, mm -hmm. they can improve your daily life. Yes. So if you know anybody, if you have, you know, friends and family, anybody's an athletic trainer, just make sure to spread the word that how they can impact your life and yes. improve your life. That's very well said. And I completely agree 100% is that a lot of times there's a lot of these athletic trainers and resources around, but it's just people are not exposed to them. So, you know, it's getting more awareness for the profession, but also utilizing these resources, these people with these expertise and using it to help improve the quality of your life, like you said. Mm -hmm. Now, on that note, so... We'll wrap up a little bit because I know you are very busy and everything. Got to get back to everything that you're doing in Japan. I know that majority of your courses 
you do have a website and I like the English translation for my listeners. A lot of us, unless they're in the area in Tokyo, you know, they're not going <laughs> to come and everything, but for your online courses, it's primarily in Jap- Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's yes. no English translation for the courses yet, but I will, if anyone wants to check out your website and some of the things that you are doing, what is your website? Where can they find you? So the, for the online courses, that, that's www.moribetakashitraining.com. But uh, uh, those are the, again, for the Japanese speakers only at the moment, yes. you know, unless Andrew want to translate it for <laughs> me. But uh, yeah, I teach them, uh, teach people about uh, uh, how, to be- how to build their own business. And, you know, on even like one man show, uh, you, can't, you don't need to sacrifice yourself. You can make you enough money and you have, you can have enough time to spend your own or mm-hmm. with your family. And the thing about, you know, walking, walking in a, even like athletic training field or being your own boss and stuff, mm-hmm. people just like sacrificing yourself or your family too much mm-hmm. because that's maybe they think they have to do to mm-hmm. make money or, but mm-hmm. It's not. You can make money and you can still have your time and you can still have your own time and your family too. You can have everything if you want to. Mm-hmm. You just need to know, you know how to do it. Yes. So that's what I teach people and through online. Yes, that is excellent. I mean, just having that work-life balance, you know, especially in the US too. I know it's a struggle a lot of the times, but it, like you said, I think you're doing a lot of good and teaching and sharing that information as to how to achieve it. And you definitely do not want me to translate everything because it'll be with 5% accuracy and it will probably take years. <laughs> but that is one of the goals that I have when I have more free time. It's on my bucket list to become better speaking and understanding Japanese. So it is something that one day I, I will learn from you and we'll converse in Japanese, maybe do an episode in Jap- Japanese too. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, That would be can, awesome. Yes. But I will put up your, your website, even your myponolife.com website, mm-hmm. because it does have some good information and people just to see the philosophy and everything. I know we didn't talk too much about the philosophy, but I think a lot of the things that we do overlap especially with your background and, you know, you being in the States and everything. And, and for my conversations that I've had with you, I know there's a lot of things that overlap, but overall, I mean, thanks so much. Is there any last, last words of wisdom messages that you want to share to anyone that may be listening on your end, but also to all of the people, not only in Hawaii, but in the U S is there anything that you would like to share about your business, taking care of your body or philosophy in general. Okay. I mean, it was so much fun talking with you so that I can uh, going through my memories and something, some stuff that I don't even remember at the moment, but kind of, you know, bring back, be, bring me back <laughs> right in. And those are precious moments that, and people forget, right? Yes. And so that it's always great to have a conversation with somebody that you knew and those are the great refreshing moment. But uh, uh, we talked about a lot about my life and job and everything, but what I tell my students and yeah, pretty much like my friends being adult, being old, and we always think about job comes first, but it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, 
while I was young, when I was young and especially working in the States, I was like, oh, this is what I get, what, this is what I get to do. This is the reason I'm here for, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like all in. And those are great experience when I was young, but mm-hmm. you cannot walk that way when you become 30, 40s, or even like 20s, you shouldn't be, <laughs> yes. you shouldn't be walking that way. <laughs> and yes. the life changes uh, if you have a partner or kids or if, you know, it's going to be totally different. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a negative way. It's mm-hmm. going to be a positive way, of course, mm-hmm. but it's going to be not the same way. Mm-hmm. And even though you don't have a partner or kids, you still have your friends, family, you know, mm-hmm. parents, whatnot. And it's going to change. Life stages changes. So that I always tell my people that uh, job or work is just a part of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the life. Yes. You know, so that's something you have to remember all the time. Sometimes it's hard. It just strips away. But yeah, it's like your life is most important thing and job you can choose. Mm-hmm. And what kind of life you want to achieve, what you want, you want to have. That's the, that mindset you have to set very strong way. And that kind of takes you to wherever you want to. Mm-hmm. And you can choose the route whatever you want to. So that's an excellent message. I mean, for everybody, myself included, you know, just putting it into perspective, your job is just a portion of your life and it shouldn't consume every single aspect of your life. And I completely agree. It was so good. I mean, we could, we could make series of these and one day we'll, we'll catch up again and talk again. And I always look forward to talking to you, whether that's if you're visiting Hawaii or I go to Japan one day or even at NATA, but overall, I mean, thank you for talking, sharing your story and just catching up overall. Thanks so much for being here. You have any last words, Takashi? Oh, just thank you. It was a great time. We should catching up and more uh, often. Yes, definitely. We will and enjoying life and everything, but thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you. 